Section 28 of An Essay Concerning Human Understanding. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. An Essay Concerning Human Understanding by John Locke. Chapter 21 Of Power. Part 4 number sixty one our wrong judgments have regard to future good and evil only but since our voluntary actions carry not all the happiness and misery that depend on them along with them in their present performance but are the precedent causes of good and evil which they draw after them and bring upon us when they themselves are past and cease to be our desires look beyond our present enjoyments and carry the mind out to absent good according to the necessity which we think there is of it to the making or increase of our happiness it is our opinion of such a necessity that gives it its attraction without that we are not moved by absent good for in this narrow scantling of capacity which we are accustomed to and sensible of here wherein we enjoy but one pleasure at once which when all uneasiness is away is whilst it lasts sufficient to make us think ourselves happy it is not all remote and even apparent good that affects us because the indolency and enjoyment we have sufficing for our present happiness we desire not to venture the change since we judge that we are happy already being content and that is enough for who is content is happy but as soon as any new uneasiness comes in this happiness is disturbed and we are set afresh on work in the pursuit of happiness number sixty two for a wrong judgment of what makes a necessary part of their happiness their aptness therefore to conclude that they can be happy without it is one great occasion that men often are not raised to the desire of the greatest absent good for while such thought possesses them the joys of a future state move them not they have little concern or uneasiness about them and the will free from the determination of such desires is left to the pursuit of the near satisfactions and to the removal of those uneasiness which it then feels in its want of any longings after them change but a man's view of these things let him see that virtue and religion are necessary to his happiness let him look into the future state of bliss or misery and see there god the righteous judge ready to render to every man according to his deeds to them who by patient continuance in the well-doing seek for glory and honour and immortality eternal life but unto every soul that doth evil indignation and wrath tribulation and anguish to him i say who hath the prospect of the different state of perfect happiness or misery that attends all men after this life depending on their behaviour here the measures of good and evil that govern his choice are mightily changed for since nothing of pleasure and pain in this life can bear any proportion to the endless happiness or exquisite misery of an immortal soul hereafter actions in his power will have their preference not according to the transient pleasure or pain that accompanies or follows them here but as they serve to secure that perfect durable happiness hereafter number sixty three a more particular account of wrong judgments but 
to account more particularly for the misery that men often bring on themselves notwithstanding that they do in all earnest pursue happiness we must consider how things come to be represented to our desires under deceitful appearances and that is by the judgment pronouncing wrongly concerning them to see how far this reaches and what are the causes of wrong judgment we must remember that things are judged good or bad in a double sense first that which is properly good or bad is nothing but barely pleasure or pain secondly but because not only present pleasure and pain but that also which is apt by its efficacy or consequences to bring it upon us at a distance is a proper object of our desires and apt to move a creature that has foresight therefore things also that draw after them pleasure and pain are considered as good and evil number sixty four no one chooses misery willingly but only by wrong judgment the wrong judgment that misleads us and makes the will often fasten on the worst side lies in the misreporting upon the various comparisons of these the wrong judgment i am here speaking of is not what one man may think of the determination of other but what every man himself must confess to be wrong for since i lay it for a certain ground that every intelligent being really seeks happiness which consists in the enjoyment of pleasure without any considerable mixture of uneasiness it is impossible any one should willingly put into his own draught any better ingredient or leave out anything in his power that would tend to his satisfaction and the completing of his happiness but only by a wrong judgment i shall not here speak of that mistake which is the consequence of invincible error which scarce deserves the name of wrong judgment but of that wrong judgment which every man himself must confess to be so number sixty five men may err on comparing present and future i therefore as to present pleasure and pain the mind as has been said never mistakes that which is really good or evil that which is the greater pleasure or the greater pain is really just as it appears but though present pleasure and pain show their difference and degrees so plainly as not to leave room to mistake yet when we compare present pleasure or pain with the future which is usually the case in the most important determinations of the will we often make wrong judgments of them taking our measures of them in different positions of distance objects near our view are apt to be thought greater than those of a larger size that are more remote and so it is with pleasures and pains the present is apt to carry it and those at a distance have the disadvantage in the comparison thus most men like spendthrift hires are apt to judge a little in hand better than a great deal to come and so for small matters in possessions part with great ones in reversion but that this is a wrong judgment every one must allow let his pleasure consist in whatever it will since that which is future will certainly come to be present and then having the same advantage of nearness will show itself in its full dimension and discover his wilful mistake who judged of it by unequal measures where the pleasures of drinking accompanied the very moment a man takes off his glass with that sick stomach and aching head which in some men are sure to follow not many hours after i think nobody whatever pleasure he had in his cups would on these conditions ever let wine touch his lips which yet he daily swallows 
and the evil side comes to be chosen only by the fallacy of a little difference in time but if pleasure or pain can be so lessened only by a few hours removal how much more will it be so by a further distance to a man that will not by a right judgment do what time will that is bring it home upon himself and consider it as present and therefore take its true dimensions this is the way we usually impose on ourselves in respect of bare pleasure and pain or the true degrees of happiness or misery the future loses its just proportion and what is present obtains the preference as the greater i mention not here the wrong judgment whereby the absent are not only lessened but reduced to perfect nothing when men enjoy what they can in present and make sure of that concluding amiss that no evil will thence follow for that lies not in comparing the greatness of future good and evil which is that we are here speaking of but in another sort of wrong judgment which is concerning good or evil as it is considered to be the cause and procurement of pleasure or pain that will follow from it number sixty six causes of our judging amiss when we compare the present pleasure and pain with future the causes of our judging amiss when we compare our present pleasure or pain with future seems to me to be the weak and narrow constitution of our minds we cannot well enjoy two pleasures at once much less any pleasure almost whilst pain possesses us the present pleasure if it be not very languid and almost none at all fills our narrow souls and so takes up the whole mind that it scarce leaves any thought of things absent or if among our pleasures there are some which are not strong enough to exclude the consideration of things at a distance yet we have so great an abhorrence of pain that a little of it extinguishes all our pleasures a little bitter mingled in our cup leaves no relish of the sweet hence it comes that at any rate we desire to be rid of the present evil which we are apt to think nothing absent can equal because under the present pain we find not ourselves capable of any of the last degree of happiness men's daily complaints are loud proof of this the pain that any one actually feels is still of all other the worst and it is with anguish they cry out any rather than this nothing can be intolerable as i what now suffer and therefore our whole endeavours and thoughts are intended to get rid of the present evil before all things as the first necessary condition to our happiness let what will follow nothing as we passionately think can exceed or almost equal the uneasiness that sits so heavy upon us and because the abstinence from a present pleasure that offers itself is a pain nay oftentimes a very great one the desire being inflamed by a near and tempting object it is no wonder that that operates after the same manner pain does and lessen in our thoughts what is future and so forces us as it were blindfold into its embraces number sixty seven absent good unable to counterbalance present uneasiness add to this that absent good or which is the same thing future pleasure especially if of a sort we are unacquainted with seldom is able to counterbalance any uneasiness either of pain or desire which is present for its greatness being no more than what shall be really tasted when enjoyed men are apt enough to lessen that 
to make it give place to any present desire and conclude with themselves that when it comes to trial it may possibly not answer the report or opinion that generally passes of it they having often found that not only what others have magnified but even what they themselves have enjoyed with great pleasure and delight at one time has proved insipid or nauseous at another and therefore they see nothing in it for which they should forego a present enjoyment but that this is a false way of judging when applied to the happiness of another life they must confess unless they will say god cannot make those happy he designs to be so for that being intended for a state of happiness it must certainly be agreeable to every one's wish and desire could we suppose their relishes as different as they are here yet the manna in heaven will suit every one's palate thus much of the wrong judgment we make of present and future pleasure and pain when they are compared together and so the absent considered as future number sixty eight wrong judgment in considering consequences of actions as to things good or bad in their consequences and by the aptness that is in them to procure us good or evil in the future we judge them in several ways one when we judge that so much evil does really depend on them as in truth there does two when we judge that though the consequence be of that moment yet it is not of that certainty but that it may otherwise fall out or else by some means be avoided as by industry address change repentance and so on that these are wrong ways of judging were easy to show in every particular if i would examine them at large singly but i shall only mention this in general namely that it is very wrong and irrational way of proceeding to venture a greater good for a less upon certain guesses and before a due examination be made proportional to the weightiness of the matter and the concernment it is to us not to mistake this i think every one must confess especially if he considers the usual causes of this wrong judgment whereof these following are some number sixty nine causes of this one ignorance he that judges without informing himself to the utmost that he is capable cannot acquit himself of judging amiss two inadvertency when a man overlooks even that which he does know this is an affected and present ignorance which misleads our judgments as much as other judging is as it were balancing an account and determining on which side the odds lie if therefore either side be huddled up in haste and several of the sums that should have gone into the reckoning be overlooked and left out the precipitancy causes a wrong judgment as if it were a perfect ignorance that which most commonly causes this the prevalency of some present pleasure or pain heightened by our feeble passionate nature most strongly brought on by what is present to check this precipitancy our understanding and reason were given us if we will make right use of them to search and see and then judge thereupon how much sloth and negligence heat and passion the prevalency of fashion or acquired indispositions do severally contribute on occasion to these wrong judgments i shall not here further inquire i shall only add one other false judgment 
which i think necessary to mention because perhaps it is little taken notice of though of great influence number seventy wrong judgment of what is necessary to our happiness all men desire happiness that is passed out but as has been already observed when they are rid of pain they are apt to take up with any pleasure at hand or that custom has endured to them to rest satisfied in that and so being happy till some new desire by making them uneasy disturbs that happiness and shows them that they are not so they look no further nor is this the will determined to any action in the pursuit of any other known or apparent good for since we find that we cannot enjoy all sorts of good but one excludes another we do not fix our desires on every apparent greater good unless it be judged to be necessary to our happiness if we think we can be happy without it it moves us not this is another occasion to men of judging wrong when they take not that to be necessary to their happiness which really is so this mistake misleads us both in the choice of the good we aim at and very often in the means to it when it is a remote good but which way ever it be either by placing it where really it is not or by neglecting the means as not necessary to it when a man misses his great end happiness he will acknowledge he judged not right that which contributes to this mistake is the real or supposed unpleasantness of the actions which are the way to this end it seeming so preposterous a thing to men to make themselves unhappy in order to happiness that they do not easily bring themselves to it number seventy one we can change the agreeableness or disagreeableness in things the last inquiry thereof concerning this matter is whether it be in a man's power to change the pleasantness and unpleasantness that accompanies any sort of action and as to that it is plain in many cases he can men may and should correct their palates and give relish to what either has or they suppose has none the relish of the mind is as various as that of the body unlike that too may be altered and it is a mistake to think that men cannot change the displeasingness or indifferency that is in actions into pleasure and desire if they will do but what is in their power a due consideration will do it in some cases and practice application and custom in most bread or tobacco may be neglected where they are shown to be useful to health because of an indifferency or disrelish to them reason and consideration at first recommends and begins their trial and use finds or custom makes them pleasant that this is so in virtue too is very certain actions are pleasing or displeasing either in themselves or considered as a means to a greater and more desirable end the eating of a well-seasoned dish suited to a man's palate may move the mind by the delight itself that accompanies the eating without reference to any other end to which the consideration of the pleasure there is in health and strength to which that meat is subservient may add a new gusto able to make us swallow an ill-relished portion in the latter of these any action is rendered more or less pleasing only by the contemplation of the end and the being more or less persuaded of its tendency to it or necessary connection with it 
but the pleasure of the action itself is best acquired or increased by the use and practice trials often reconcile us to that which at a distance we looked on with aversion and by repetition wears us into a liking of what possibly in the first essay displeased us habits have powerful charms and put so strong attractions of easiness and pleasure into what we accustom ourselves to but we cannot forbear to do or at least be easy in the omission of actions which habitual practice has suited and thereby recommends to us though this be very visible and every one's experience shows him he can do so yet it is a part in the conduct of men towards their happiness neglected to a degree that it will be possibly entertained as a paradox if it be said that men can make things or actions more or less pleasing to themselves and thereby remedy that to which one may justly impute a great deal of their wandering fashion and the common opinion having settled wrong notions and education and custom ill habits the just values of things are misplaced and the palates of men corrupted pains should be taken to rectify these and contrary habits change our pleasures and give a relish to that which is necessary or conducive to our happiness this every one must confess he can do and when happiness is lost and misery overtakes him he will confess he did amiss in neglecting it and condemn himself for it and i ask every one whether he has not often done so number 72 preference of vice to virtue a manifest wrong judgment i shall not now enlarge any further on wrong judgments and neglect of what it is in their power whereby men mislead themselves this would make a volume and is not my business but whatever false notions or shameful neglect of what is in their power may put men out of their way to happiness and distract them as we see into so different courses of life this yet is certain that morality established upon its true foundations cannot but determine the choice in any one that will but consider and he that will not be so far a rational creature as to reflect seriously upon infinite happiness and misery must needs condemn himself as not making that use of his understanding he should the rewards and punishments of another life which the almighty has established as the enforcements of his law are of weight enough to determine the choice against whatever pleasure or pain this life can show where the eternal state is considered but in its bare possibility which nobody can make any doubt of he that will allow exquisite and endless happiness to be but the possible consequence of good life here and the contrary state that the possible reward of a bad one must own himself to judge very much amiss if he does not conclude that a virtuous life with a certain expectation of everlasting bliss which may come is to be preferred to a vicious one with the fear of that dreadful state of misery which it is very possible may overtake the guilty or at best the terrible uncertain hope of annihilation this is evidently so though the virtuous life here had nothing but pain and the vicious continual pleasure which yet is for the most part quite otherwise and wicked men have not much the odds to brag of even in their present position nay all things rightly considered 
have i think even the worst part here but when infinite happiness is put into one scale against infinite misery in the other if the worst that comes to the pious man if he mistakes be the best that the wicked one can attain to if he be in the right who can without madness run the venture who in his wits would choose to come within a possibility of infinite misery which if he miss there is nothing yet to be got by that hazard whereas on the other side the sober man ventures nothing against infinite happiness to be got if his expectation come not to pass if the good man be in his right he is eternally happy if he mistakes he is not miserable he feels nothing on the other side if the wicked man be in the right he is not happy if he mistakes he is infinitely miserable but must it not be most manifest wrong judgment that does not presently see to which side in this case the preference is to be given i have forborne to mention anything of certainty or probability of a future state designing here to show the wrong judgment that any one must allow he makes upon his own principles laid how he pleases who prefers the short pleasures of a vicious life upon any consideration whilst he knows and cannot but be certain that a future life is at least possible number 73 recapitulation liberty of indifferency to conclude this inquiry into human liberty which as it stood before i myself from the beginning fearing and a very judicious friend of mine since the publication suspecting to have some mistake in it though he could not particularly show it to me i was put upon a stricter review of this chapter wherein lighting upon a very easy and scarce observable slip i had made in putting one seemingly indifferent word for another that discovery opened to me this present view which here in the second edition i submit to the learned world and which in short is this liberty is a power to act or not to act according as the mind directs a power to direct the operative faculties to motion or rest in particular instances in that which we call the will that which is the train of our voluntary actions determines the will to any change of operation in some present uneasiness which is or at least is always accompanied with that of desire desire is always moved by the evil to fly it because a total freedom from pain always makes a necessary part of our happiness but every good nay every greater good does not constantly move desire because it may not make or may not be taken to make any necessary part of our happiness for all that we desire is only to be happy but though this general desire of happiness operates constantly and invariably yet the satisfaction of any particular desire can be suspended from determining the will to any subservient action till we have maturely examined whether the particular apparent good which we then consider makes a part of our real happiness or be consistent or inconsistent with it the result of our judgment upon that examination is what ultimately determines the man who would not be free if his will were determined by anything but his own desire guided by his own judgment number 74 active and passive power in motions and in thinking 
true notions concerning the nature and extent of liberty are of so great importance that i hope i shall be pardoned this discretion which my attempt to explain it has led me into the ideas of will volition liberty and necessity in this chapter of power came naturally in my way in a former edition of this treatise i gave an account of my thoughts concerning them according to the light i then had and now as a lover of truth and not a worshipper of my own doctrines i want some change of my opinion which i think i have discovered ground for in what i first read i with an unbiased indifferency followed truth whither i thought she led me but neither being so vain as to fancy infallibility nor so disingenuous as to dissemble my mistakes or fear of blemishing my reputation i have with the same sincere design for truth only not being ashamed to publish what a severer inquiry has suggested it is not impossible but that some may think my former notions right and some as i have already found these latter and some neither i shall not at all wonder at this variety in men's opinions impartial deductions of reason in controverted points being so rare and exact ones in abstract notions not so very easy especially if of any length and therefore i should think myself not a little beholden to any one who would upon these or any other grounds fairly clear his subject of liberty from any difficulties that may yet remain number 75 summary of our original ideas and thus i have in a short draft given a view of our original ideas from whence all the rest are derived and of which they are made up which if i should consider as a philosopher and examine on what causes they depend and of what they are made i believe they all might be reduced to these very few primary and original ones namely extension solidity mobility or the power of being moved which by our senses we receive from body perceptivity or the power of perception or thinking motivity or the power of moving which by reflection we receive from our minds i crave leave to make use of these two new words to avoid the danger of being mistaken in the use of those which are equivocal to which if we add existence duration number which belong both to the one and the other we have perhaps all the original ideas on which the rest depend for by these i imagine might be explained the nature of colors sounds tastes smells and all other ideas we have if we had but faculties acute enough to perceive the severally modified extensions and motions of those minute bodies which produces those several sensations in us but my present purpose being only to inquire into the knowledge the mind has of things by those ideas and appearances which god has fitted it to receive from them and how the mind comes by that knowledge rather than into their causes or manner of production i shall not contrary to the design of this essay see myself to inquire philosophically into the peculiar constitution of bodies and the configuration of parts whereby they have the power to produce in us the ideas of their sensible qualities
i shall not enter any further into that disquisition it's sufficing to my purpose to observe that gold or saffron has a power to produce in us the idea of yellow and snow or milk the idea of white which we can only have by our sight without examining the texture or the parts of those bodies or the particular figures or motion of the particles which rebound from them to cause in us that particular sensation though when we go beyond the bare ideas in our minds and would enquire into their causes we cannot conceive anything else to be in any sensible object whereby it produces different ideas in us but the different bulk figure number texture and motion of its insensible parts end of section 28 read by lambda